0: Here they come. Right now, they're gathering from hospitals all across America for Talk 10 Tuesday. They know there's important news and information just ahead. Don't miss out. Come in, sit down, and log on. It's Talk 10 Tuesday. Here now is the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, Chuck Buck.
1: Thank you, Clark Anthony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 438th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. And brought to you today by ICD-10 Monitor. And joining me as my co-host is the longtime announcer for both Monitor Monday and, of course, Talk Ted Tuesday. That would be none other than San Diego's popular radio and television personality, Clark Anthony. Dr. Reamer, who usually sits at the co-anchor chair, is on assignment, or so she says. And good morning, Clark. Thank you, Chuck, <laughs> and good morning, all. And I'm
0: honored to be invited to come out of my little announcer booth and join the adults
1: today. Yeah, indeed. Have a seat at the table here. Our lead story this morning is about anxiety and how to cope with the stress as we all await the outcome of today's election. And that's why we asked Dr. A. Stephen Moffick to help us to spend some mental health advice to those of you who are listening to us this morning. Also on board is Laurie Johnson, who has the Talk 10 Tuesday Coding Report. This morning, Laurie's going to be reporting on ICD-10 codes that are related to uh, stress and anxiety. And I'm betting there'll be more of these codes after the election, right? Good point, Clark. Although nearly 100 million people have already cast their ballots... We don't know the outcome, at least for several days. And stress will be building. Indeed, that's why I'm thinking about codes for substance abuse disorder, especially because so much has become politicized in this election, like wearing masks. You know, it's good that Stanley Nockimson is here today because he'll explain the inextricable link between politics and health care. Indeed. By the way, have you been watching uh, television coverage of the campaign and, of course, the uh, unfolding of the pandemic? Unfortunately, that's about almost all we watch, you know. My wife and I used to really
0: enjoy television dramas and comedies and movies, but most evenings now we pass on entertainment and we watch current events. Real life is far more compelling than make-believe. Tom Clancy, I think, said the difference between fiction and reality is fiction has to make sense. But in our real world, every day today is more dramatic than the one before. And so much of what's happening, I find disappointing and senseless. People are separating into tribes, not just disagreeing, but hating one another. Social media makes it easy to denigrate people, as we never would in person, but we had to see them face to face. Even people within a tribe turn against team members who have the audacity to disagree with them. Make a mistake or a miscalculation, and the cancel culture will shame you away. My parents, and maybe some of our listeners' parents, were part of what Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation during World War II and beyond, those Americans sacrificed to preserve our freedoms. They believed with freedom comes responsibility. And these days, people equate freedom with doing whatever pleases them with little regard for the common good. Few people accept responsibility for their own actions. A famous football coach once said, you fail all the time, but you don't become a failure until you blame someone else. And then you add in the continuing and escalating pandemic, the devastating weather events, the fires and the floods, and I have to say, I've personally become addicted to the news stream, and it's depressing. In fact, Chuck, I told you about this the other day. Years ago, I had a pinched nerve in my lower back, and I hoped it would go away, but I was in chronic pain. And eventually, my wife turned to me and said, you're not the person you used to be. You're bitter and irritable. So I opted for surgery and got some relief. Now I think I'm becoming bitter and irritable again, but it's not sciatica. It's a pain in my psyche. Sorry to be so long-winded. Actually, I'm looking forward to listening to Dr. Moffick because it is always uplifting, and I become more optimistic. So I'm anxious to hear what he has to say from a professional perspective on the days ahead and what we can expect.
1: <laughs> very good. We are too, Clark. Thanks very much for being with us. We have much news to report. And we'll begin with Tim Powell, who's at the Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk. The Talk 10 Tuesday news task is
0: sponsored by ICD University Bookstore, reminding you that Dr. Eric Reamer's ICD-10 flowcharts provide quick guidance to the correct diagnosis codes for potential COVID-19 cases. Use the ICD-10 monitor resources tab at the top of the web room for more information.
2: Here now is Tim Powell. Thanks, Chuck, and thanks, Clark. Uh, The Medicare program, providing hospital and medical insurance for Americans age 65 or older, was signed into law as an amendment to the Social Security Act of 1935. Some 19 million people enrolled in Medicare when it came into effect in 1966. At that time, according to the Census Bureau, there were 194 million Americans. That meant less than one in 10 Americans were enrolled in Medicare. Currently, there are 61.5 million Americans enrolled in Medicare, according to CMS, And according to Worldometer, there are about 332 million Americans today. That means that almost one in five Americans is enrolled in Medicare. The Medicare population as a percentage is on the rise. The change in the proportion of Americans on Medicare and the age of the average Medicare recipient means that the portion of the healthcare pie increasingly falls into the Medicare slice. When you include Medicaid, over 75% of all patients are covered by federal programs. That means that politics is the driving force behind health care today. The history of both the United States Congress and the Supreme Court was that after an election, candidates and justices set aside their ideology to some extent and got down to the people's business, particularly the Supreme Court, where many political parties have been dismayed by how someone they appointed to the court ruled on cases after the appointment. The reason the Supreme Court justices had a lifetime appointment was that it would, in theory, separate them from politics. Unfortunately, in the current view, appointments are an opportunity to take political advantage by appointing judges to help win elections or strike down legislation based on party affiliations for decades. The advise and consent clause of the Constitution for the Senate in reviewing Supreme Court nominations has degenerated to the point that presidents of one party have not been allowed to to appoint justices at all unless they were in control of the U.S. Senate. What is particularly concerning to me is that we have now defined judges, including Supreme Court justices, as either liberal or conservative, not based on whether they apply conservative or liberal values, but that they apply the law in a way that favors one political party over another. The vote on the Affordable Care Act, or the ACA, shows the deadlock in Congress. Passed with essentially the support of only one party, it appears to indicate that in order for legislation to be passed in the United States, one party needs to control the House of Representatives, the Senate, and the White House, and have appointed enough judges to the Supreme Court to prevent laws from being struck down. Even worse in many ways, the programs that one party passes while in power become the targets of the other political parties when they come in control of the wheels of government. We end up with a seesaw of inconsistent policies that hurt the people that they are meant to serve. And with that, back to you, Chuck.
1: Thanks, Tim. That was Tim Powell. Tim is a compliance expert and an ICD-10 monitor national correspondent. It's Tuesday. It's Election Day in America, and you're listening to the 438th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. It's an open-door forum, and Dr. Moffick is standing by to dispense some mental health therapeutics to help us all deal with the stress and the anxiety brought about by the election, and, of course, the pandemic and the Chicago Cubs. This is Talk 10 Tuesday. Standby. Do you live in the
0: baffling world of ICD-10-PCS coding for community-acquired pneumonia? The high level of confusion and the large number of miscoded cases are not surprising. Community-acquired pneumonia comes in several distinct forms, including gram-negative bacterial, staphylococcal, and aspiration. Yet documentation rarely specifies the pneumonia type or etiology, compelling coders and CDI specialists to query physicians for clinical validation. During an ICD-10 monitor webcast, Dr. William Hake will walk you through the updated evidence-based clinical guidelines for a community-acquired pneumonia and how to use these guidelines to create relevant, succinct physician queries. Register to attend Community Acquired Pneumonia. Apply updated clinical guidelines to prevent denials. It's November 12th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Register now.
1: Here now with the Tucked In Tuesday Coding Report is
3: Lori Johnson. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Chuck, and good morning, Clark, and hello to our listeners. There are a few words that we can associate with today's election and the pandemic. They are stress, a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances, Anxiety, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Depression, feelings of severe despondency and dejection. These definitions are from Webster's Dictionary and not DSM-5 and certainly describe the mood of the country. There are various codes associated with these conditions. Stress. F43.9, and if it's work-related, Z56.6. If it's a stressful work schedule, Z56.3, and if it's stress-related to family due to stressful life events, Z6379. When we look at anxiety, here's just a few codes related to anxiety. Um, One-of-the-mill anxiety, F41.9, depression anxiety, F41.8, generalized anxiety, F41.1, and panic-type anxiety, F41.0. And then as we move to depression, the -the run-of-the-mill depression is F32.9, agitated depression, F32.2, neurotic depression, F34.1, major depression with psychotic symptoms, F32.3, and mild single-episode depression, F32.0, persistent depression, F34.1, and recurrent depression with psychotic features, F33.3. There are more codes for depression with specific descriptors. A query could be issued for, to obtain that specific code. The codes that fall between Z55 to Z65 fall into the social determinants of health. The codes should tell a story of the patient's condition. And with that, back to you, Clark. Thank you, Lori. Lori
0: Johnson is Senior Health Consultant for Revenue Cycle Solutions, LLC.
1: Now it's time for Watch. It features a nationally recognized healthcare technology consultant. Stanley Nockerson, and Stanley, good morning. You know, CMS uh, last week issued a final rule about the uh, hospital c- price transparency, but there seems to be some confusion as to when the rule becomes effective. Now, I'm going to ask you to report on the final rule, but then I'm going to circle back and ask you uh, as to your reaction to the fact that politics and healthcare are intertwined. So tell us a little bit about the CMS price transparency final rule.
4: Okay, Chuck, uh, you may recall we spoke about hospital price transparency, um, and that rule, which will have hospitals making their prices available publicly starting January 1st, 2021. However, the Department of Health and Human Services, along with the Treasury and Labor Departments, now have issued a companion rule for health plan price transparency. Now, health plans will be required to make available to participants, beneficiaries, and their enrollees personalized out-of-pocket cost information, and the underlying negotiated rates for all covered health care items and services, including prescription drugs, through an Internet-based self-service tool and in paper form upon request. An initial list of 500 shoppable services, as determined by the departments, will be required to be available via the Internet-based self-service tool for plan years that begin on or after January 1, 2023. The remainder of all the other items and services will be required for these self-service tools for plan years that begin on or after January 1st, 2024. Plans are also required to make several machine-readable files of prices available for researchers and app developers. HHS will also allow issuers that empower and incentivize consumers through plans that include provisions encouraging consumers to shop for services from lower cost, higher value providers, and that share the resulting savings with consumers to take credit for these shared savings payments in their medical loss ratio calculations.
1: Because this broadcast is focused on the anxiety and stress caused by the uh, political environment namely the uh, campaign, I think it's probably important to step back and ask a couple of questions. Stanley, you are a former CMS career professional, so you bring a lot of interest and perspective to this subject. When did health care become so politicized? I'm thinking, of course, about uh, the resistance to ICD-10 in Congress a couple of years ago, and then there was a campaign issue surrounding uh, Hillary Clinton's health care reform. This is not a new thing. It has a history, doesn't it?
4: No, actually, it's uh, been uh, in politics since perhaps the the beginning of Medicare. Uh, Back in the mid-60s, in the great society programs, both Medicare and Medicaid, there were tremendous political uh, fights and discussions about whether it's the proper role of the government to be so involved in health care. The American Medical Association, among others, was a fierce opponent of Medicare, but uh, certainly that was uh, overcome, and Medicare, as we discussed in the beginning of the program, has become uh, one of the most widespread programs here in the United States, as well as, as Medicaid. And we've seen continued expansion and fights over that expansion uh, over the years since 1965. Uh, there was a, a drug program a number of years ago that Congress first passed and then rescinded uh, due to opposition uh, from the public a- and others. And we saw in the Obamacare fights um, how difficult it is to get the public and the Congress to really agree on what the proper role of government is. Um, government seems to be getting more and more involved in health care, especially in taking care of our disadvantaged citizens. But that particular role has been um, under a microscope. And, and we've seen uh, whether the responsibility is for the government just to make consumers aware of healthcare care cost and quality uh, in some of the uh, recent regulations, or is it the proper role of government to uh, make uh, health care available and affordable for the citizens? a fascinating political discussion that's gone on now for uh, uh, a good uh, 50 to 60 years.
1: One last question. How is the outcome of the presidential election going to impact the work of CMS?
4: Oh, um, cha- if there is a change of administration, um, there's a generally, as, as you go from one party to another, there is a, a huge change in the priorities for the agency. A whole new set of leaders come in with their own priorities. Um, and the workforce uh, will have to react to that and change what they, they might do. The priorities of this administration appear very much to be interoperability um, and um, transparency. Whether the new administration uh, will continue those priorities is a question. It does appear that, at, at least in the party platforms and discussions, the, uh, the Democrats are pushing for uh, the return to Obamacare, uh, the expansion of Obamacare, and, and maybe providing even more care uh, for the American people. So, uh that shift uh, certainly weighs heavily on the federal workforce whenever there's a change in administration. And, Clark, uh, let me send it back to you.
0: Former CMS career professional turned healthcare IT authority, Stanley Nockhamson is the founder of Nockhamson Advisors, LLC.
1: Now, back to Chuck Buck, LLC. Thanks, Clark. And uh, thank you, Stanley, very much uh, for that report. Our open-door forum is next, and Dr. H. Stephen Moffick is standing by to dispense some mental health therapeutics to help us all cope with what might be described as a heightened sense of anxiety and depression, especially today. It's Election Day in America. This is a special live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. It's a broadcast service of ICD-10 monitors. Stand by, everybody. Dramatic constant
0: change is the new norm for society and for healthcare. With so much upheaval, you've had to adopt new practices and protocols, including how you access continuing education. In person conferences have been shut down from coast to coast. Yet, it's as important as ever to stay current with ICD 10 coding best practices and the latest rules. Plus, CEUs are still needed to maintain professional credentials. Now, you can get critical continuing education with a subscription to ICD-10 Monitor educational webcasts. For one affordable annual fee, everyone on your team can access dozens of exclusive webcasts covering a comprehensive range of timely, vital topics. Is an ICD-10 Monitor subscription right for you? Visit the portal page at ICD University for more details and to sign up for a complimentary
1: three-day trial. Today, November 3rd, is Election Day here in America, and although many Americans have already voted, there's an estimated 100 million have already voted, and the national polls indicate that this election is going to be a big source of stress for many Americans. Call it Election Day Stress Syndrome. And although we might not know the outcome of today's election for several days, now perhaps even weeks, could there be post electoral stress disorder syndrome? like what happened in Florida when the disputed uh, presidential election of 2000. Here now to help us cope with election anxiety is one of America's foremost psychiatrists and talked to Tuesday resident psychiatrist, Dr. H. Stephen Moffick. And Dr. Moffick is here to answer your questions as well. And good morning, Dr. Moffick. So there used to be a thing called DMS-5. Whatever happened to that in psychiatry?
5: Well, first of all, thanks, Chuck, for taking this time to focus on the election and do it live. Um, because I think that's the way to talk about it, not in a can way for what we're all experiencing. Um, and I also thought all the prior presentations were really important. So uh, just briefly, whatever happened to election stress disorder in DSM-5? Well, it made it onto CBS News last night. I heard it, but it was never considered for DSM. And you might think, well, why not? Well, one reason may be, because it was thought to only occur every four years. It was actually coined months before the 2016 election. Yet, I bet that many people have felt election stress for these last four years, and hopefully not for the next four years. One challenge for where to categorize election stress disorder is that it seems to fall in the middle of the spectrum between so-called normality and full-blown diagnostic disorders. That area, which includes high rate of burnout, which we've talked about a lot, racism, which we've also talked about in the past, and subclinical conditions that we discussed about climate change. One psychiatrist labeled this as, "quotes emotional inflammation in a book of the same name, although I just talked to her, and right now she told me that she was in a state of rage One more consideration, Chuck, about uh, your question. There is also, as you mentioned, a so-called post-election stress disorder. This is a timing reaction to election results. It was actually coined earlier than election stress disorder, soon after President Obama's election, and was fueled by racial anxiety and backlash, perhaps even helping President Trump get elected, and fueling the recent rise in overt racism, as illustrated in the police killings. One way or another, that is likely to happen once again whenever we have a clear winner this time around, no matter who it is. So maybe some version of lexan anxiety will eventually get more widespread and formal attention by DSM-5. So back to you for more discussion.
1: I know my colleague, Clark Anthony, has a couple of questions for you.
0: And we should also mention that if anybody else has a question out there, they can send it to us, and we'll try to get to it this morning and address that. You know me, I try to diffuse things with humor. I can't figure out if I'm drinking too much or not enough, you know, things like that. The other day, somebody said the vaccine should be tested on politicians first. If they survive, the vaccine is safe. If they don't, the country is safe. (laughs) <laughs> and so I always used to be able to get away with things like that. But but Dr. Moffick, an author a couple of years ago, said, I feel like the world is ending and I can't stop reading about it. Is there any hope that by the time we get through this week that things will back off a little? It seems to be crescendoing.
5: That's a hard thing to uh, forecast. You know, on the one hand, um, if we have a change in administration, for sure the change itself is is going to be disruptive, and then what will the opposition do in response? Um, then, if the current administration continues, there already is a strong opposition and conflict. So, how is that going to resolve? I have I had the imagination that uh, somehow the country should call together sort of a peace treaty process to talk about how we can come to peace about this. And I'm actually going to do a video about that tomorrow morning. But in the meanwhile, there's lots of things we could do for ourselves, and maybe that's what's most crucial until we see how things are going to evolve. And that is our own safety, doing things to reduce our own stress, like meditation, relaxation techniques, the laughter you mentioned, and and so forth. So I think we have to be patient, and actually, patience is a good mental health. Um, goal to take. It's actually being researched a lot in medical schools nowadays and seems to, to, um, um, to help the process of uh, waiting for results. And um, it's, you know, it's hard to know how things are going to play out and what there's always this law of unintended consequences no matter how good you want things to be um, and who you want to win this race.
0: I saw a message on a signboard at a restaurant in Texas. It said, So what if nobody was president? We all promised real hard just to be cool, you know, which I think is kind of what you're saying is we <laughs> need to work at this. And yet I also think that because I'm addicted to all of the current events that are going on right now, I have to somehow find a way to break that addiction and force myself to turn it off and listen to classical music or something.
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you want to limit the amount of news you watch to what is comfortable for yourself. If, if people start feeling more anxious as they're watching the news, I think it's time to take a break and do something fun. Um, because if you don't, then all you're going to do is become more anxious, and it's not going to help you nor 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 help what you want to have happen.
0: We have a question from Elizabeth that I think you started on this, and maybe you can add some more tips. Uh, what are some tips of yours for handling the tensions? You probably have a whole list of them.
5: Yeah, I've been jotting those down the last week or so because that, question seems to keep coming up to me in different circumstances. So one of them is actually to sing. I did a video last week about uh, rising tensions. And I use the term actually because somebody in Milwaukee wrote a haiku about it. And this is really short, so it's easily memorized. So let me just say it. Worldwide tensions rise. COVID death rates multiply as the days go by. So, you know, our tensions have been rising. So it got me thinking about how to reduce them. And so in this video last week, I sang part of a song. It's Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. And I don't sing. Neither did he. <laughs> yeah, but he had good words. So I sang it. I guess it came across as funny. People sort of liked it. But But the literature out there actually says singing is good. For your mental health and reducing tensions that you feel and then laughing at me laughter is really good and anybody who uh who's around stanley knockamson who thought who talked so seriously today is going to get a good laugh because he's got a tremendous sense of humor so you know before we started today he really relaxed me by his humor I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt to people. You know, people are tense now, and so if they don't act the way they usually do, the way you're used to and the way you like, give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a break. I already mentioned using different relaxation techniques, whether that's meditation, exercise, um, listening to music, as you mentioned, and so forth. Advocate. If you feel strongly about the issue, do some advocation work. You know, it helps helps give you a sense of participating in solving the problem. Um, Be better safe than sorry, meaning for these next few days, at least take care to make yourself feel safe physically as well as psychologically. Help others when you can. That's always a way to feel better and feel happier by helping others. See a therapist if you need to, or see your therapist more than you have been. celebrate special tension relieving days um, that come up. Um, we actually just had one in Halloween, and maybe Halloween, maybe Thanksgiving can serve that purpose and then there is always religion and spirituality for people who have those beliefs, and that ranges from having a community of people in your as far as your religious beliefs goes, but also having certain ways to think about things that gives you a long-range perspective.
0: and hope. Dr. Moffick, this is why we always love having you be part of our program, because you have such wonderful wisdom. Thank you very much, sir.
1: Chuck? Thank you, uh, Clark, and thank you again, Dr. Moffick. I want to circle back and ask Laurie Johnson to give us a sense of some of the uh, codes that we've been hearing today.
3: We've been hearing about election stress disorder, and I want to say that that's not mentioned in ICD-10-CM. So I would expect that it would be coded as um, F41.8, anxiety specified, not elsewhere classified. Um, We've talked about some of the social problems um, that I think fall under the social determinants of health, such as economics and housing. So that's in the range of Z55 to Z65. You want to make sure you're reporting that information. Then we've talked about substance abuse, and the one thing about substance abuse, it could be drug or alcohol, and there was a change in fiscal year 21 with regards to substance abuse that patients that abuse substances and alcohol um, can experience withdrawal symptoms and that's, in, that's been added to the ICD-10-CM codes. So just a quick wrap, and back to you, Clark. Thank you,
0: Lori. Lori Johnson is Senior Health Consultant for Revenue Cycle Solutions, LLC.
1: Thanks very much. <laughs> and I want to thank our panelists today, Lori Johnson, Tim Powell, Stanley and our special guest, Dr. H. Stephen Moffitt, and, of course, our co-host, Clark Anthony, who was sitting in this morning for Dr. Erica Reamer. And remember, you can always listen to all... The Talk 10 Tuesday podcast, anytime, anywhere, on any device, and it's absolutely free. Until next Tuesday, I'm Chuck Buck, reporting for ICD-10 Monitor, Talk 10 Tuesday. Thank you very much for being with us. Be sure to wear a face mask, wash your hands, practice social isolation. It's dangerous out there, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Chuck.
0: I talked with the others, and we're going to go wait outside in the cold now until the shuttle buses take us back to our cars. Talk 10 Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.